Hello and welcome to Judgment Day, the film podcast that pits the films you're passionate about against Terminator 2. I'm your host, Michael Carroll. Our topic today is body swaps, and my guest is Paul Mitzi of the Swapcast podcast. How are you doing, Paul? Good, thanks. How are you? Good. Nice to, uh, nice to have you on. It's, um, uh, I was just telling you, I, I discovered the Swapcast, um, I think, through Letterboxd uh, about a little over a year ago. Um, it's one of the funnest movie podcasts that um, I, I've come across. I listen to a lot of different shows. Um, actually, maybe can you can you tell us a little bit about what um, what your show is? Uh, yeah, sure. Like, yeah, lovely to hear that you're you're a fan. Um, so our show is dedicated to the niche subgenre of body swapping movies. So, um, yeah, a lot of people say like, how can you do an entire show? just about body swapping movies. How is it possible that there's that many? Um, but there really is. They just keep making it, uh, keep making body swap movies. I've got like a master list that would keep us going for the next five years, even if they didn't make new ones, but they're constantly making new body swap movies. Um, so yeah. It, it, even it in born. 2020 with like a film, like a film drought, like something mm-hmm. like Freaky came out and I was just like, wow, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, this year we had Freaky, we had Soul, we had Switched. Soul, that's um, right, yeah. Yeah, and even if we felt like doing it, Wonder Woman 1984 turned out to be a body swapping movie as well. So oh, no it's shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was almost going to do that one for the show. I'm like, uh, I don't know if it's enough of one, but it definitely has a lot of uh, inner and it turned out to probably be the most controversial aspect of that film a lot of people had a lot oh of that's right actually i know what you're talking about now oh wow yeah, yeah see that that's what i love about the show is that like um you know i you think you think oh there's just like a couple of movies that that would refer to but it it, it is it is weirdly like this thing that's permeated a lot of like a lot of films um is there was is there like a secret origin to to the show uh, so basically, uh, my friend Brendan and I, uh, we love podcasts. Um, I've been a huge fan of like a lot of film podcasts, like, um, the slash film cast I've been listening to for years and years and, um, the old, uh, film spotting SVU I was obsessed with. Um, and I kind of want to do my own, but it's kind of like, what are we going to do it on? Like, there's already a podcast about movie like everything you can think of there's a podcast about so um one day i just felt like watching a shitty movie uh when brendan was over i was like let's watch a a film that was on netflix called it's a boy girl thing because it just looks stupid and i'd always meant to watch it because i kind of like those kind of high concept stupid movies and it was a body swap movie um and it was terrible but the discussion that Brendan and I had after it just went on and on and on. And there was just so much to discuss about like, you know, the themes of the film and body swapping in general. And then after that conversation, we are like, maybe this could be our podcast. Maybe body swapping is the genre no one's thought to do. Uh, we knew that there's a lot of like um, discussion on, you know, gender and sexuality in the film. So he didn't want it to just be two guys. So I asked my friend Lucy if she wanted to be a part of it and she thought it was a funny idea. If she wanted to be she... the, the token, the token yeah. woman. Yeah. 
<laughs> but I don't think she expected it, you know, four years later to still be watching <laughs> body swap movies every week. Yeah. Um, so she, she agreed to be on the show and, um, yeah, uh, rest is history. We've been watching body swap movie after body swap movie over and over again. Um, I think over the, over time, you know, we, we definitely recognize the, the things we see in every single one. And I think we've, you know, there's a good two or three different variations and it always just fits into one of those. But um, yeah, it's almost like a jumping off point at this point for us to just, you know, go into wild diversions about bullshit. Um, <laughs> because, you know, these films have kind of broken us down at this point as well. Um, I think Lucy, uh, in our latest episode, compared it to the, there's a podcast out there where they just watch the movie Grown Ups 2 every episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and I don't think we're quite at that level of torture, but um, yeah, <laughs> I think Lucy and Brendan especially kind of feel that it, it almost is at that level. Yeah, well, you can see why, like, with, with my show being what it is, you know, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, 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 I'm aware of that podcast as well. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's these, like, niche ideas and, like, kind of, like, putting in the work to, like, kind of explore them to their limit. Yeah, um, yeah, and you guys, you guys have really great chemistry. How long have you all known each other? So Brendan and I actually have known each other for maybe like 20 plus years. I actually used to manage a video store and he was one of my workers and that's how we became friends. Awesome. Um, awesome. Which, you know, that, that culture, video store culture, I think created a lot of those kind of friendships. And yeah, I, I really do miss that video store kind of culture that used to be around and you know going around and browsing the shelves and speaking to the clerk behind the shelf of the counter and talking about film like I think that's something we really miss nowadays and I think that's something that film pod- podcasts have really like you know replaced so. yeah you're saying I never left high school that's that's what you're <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um and then Lucy uh haven't known as long uh, maybe uh about six seven years at this point um yeah started dating one of my friends and now they're married so um yeah so but we we had an instant connection over pop culture so um i knew she was going to be perfect for the podcast so yeah well you got like i said you guys have great chemistry i really like how you're the boss of the podcast you know you, you <laughs> jump into like different podcasts and you try and figure out the like dynamics of yeah. people and yeah it's, anyway, you, you do a good job so so let's so i want to talk about um about body swapping a little bit more before we get into this episode. Um, mm-hmm. Do you, 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 you have kind of like a loose definition of body swapping, uh, you know, and, and it's not just like freaky Friday type of stuff. You also get into like big where, you know, there's like suddenly age stuff. Um, yeah. you're, 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 you're from Australia. Uh, yeah. Are you familiar with quantum leap? Is that, is that something that, has ever yeah come yeah up? of course yeah scott Bakula, yeah that was mm-hmm. definitely a staple of my childhood yeah, yeah um yeah i mean if we ever did um tv shows like i mean we've done one tv special where we just talked about specific episodes of tv shows where they're body swapped but if we were to do a whole series that would definitely be in contention <laughs> for it um but uh yeah so the way we kind of talk about body swapping like i know for a lot of people the definition of body swapping is two people one goes into one's body and the other goes into the other one's body that would 
you know, even though there are a lot of those films, we kind of wanted to broaden it a bit. So we also cover films like Suddenly 30 and Big, um, where it's like somebody becoming their younger or older self. Um, we also do like possession kind of stuff. So stuff like the Velocipaster, where a guy transforms into a dinosaur, or you know, so or there, possession, there are, which is or um, possession with Sarah Michelle Gellar, which is a trash fire. But um, yeah, where you know somebody better possesses, you than me. Though though possession is sort of a body swap. There are two people that sort of go into each other's bodies, but it's debatable. Yeah, I guess body swapping is something that's been in culture not only pop culture forever like i mean looking back to bible times you know you've got stories of possession of people taking over other people's bodies i think body swapping in the way that's popularized now probably that we really started seeing um in the 1800s there was a uh, the original written novel version of vice versa came out yeah, in 1882 yeah. And you, so, you, you you read that, right? You uh, I did, and is it all good? the is it's actually pretty good. And yeah. uh, for something written that long ago, mm-hmm. um, obviously a lot of the language is of that time. So, uh, but in uh, in terms of the structure, it's pretty much all there. Like everything that we see in body swap films now is present in that book, and I think it's it's really informed the genre. Um, I think. Uh, yeah, there's always been body swapping films since the beginning of film. Um, like, you know, in the 1940s, we had a Turnabout, which was probably a really um, popular example. And then in the 70s, obviously, the original Freaky Friday was a huge hit. And then um, the 80s, uh, it kind of That's, exploded again. And we had yeah. like a whole lot of movies and a lot of similar movies coming at the same time. You had Like Father, Like Son, Big... Uh, 18 again all coming out in the same period so it just became like the 80s was the body swapping era and then again in the early two, 2000s it kind of exploded again with the hot chick um so and and then the uh the freaky friday remake so um More it's like later. a sick yeah <laughs> but yeah it's like a cyclical thing every few years it's like a whole bunch of really popular body swaps but there's always some body swaps being made at any point in time somebody is making a body swapping movie <laughs> well it's it's like because i've been thinking about it it's it, it really is a um like it's a it's a statement of what you you can exp- it, it's a promise of a certain level of performance like and that's mm-hmm. you know more than like a lot of other films like you know uh or a lot of other like sub genres I, I should say they're going to try and show me something magical with like someone taking, you know, acting like someone else. It's just, you know, it's very actor centric. Um, So yeah, um, it gives, it gives people an opportunity to really play against type. So I can see why it's such an attractive thing for actors that they're like, I get to play a little boy or I get to play someone of a completely different uh, demographic that I would never be asked to play normally. Um, And I think on an audience level, there's the attraction of this is a genre where it's a wish fulfillment where everybody at one point or another has thought, I wish I could be someone else. Or if I was that person, or if I had that life, it's just such a relatable thing. So I think that's what really makes it an attractive thing for audiences. 
Like who or wouldn't the, want or the terror to be, of suddenly like being in a place or in a body that you don't that, that you don't want or yeah 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 there, there's that aspect as well how horrifying it could be but I think a lot of the films mine it's like I wish I could wake up and I was Zac Efron suddenly you know yes yeah, there's there's an attraction to that so um I I would be remiss if I didn't point out that um uh the one of the big reasons why um. I asked you on was because uh, your podcast has a goal uh, of, is it a hundred? Help me out here. Yeah, hundred iTunes reviews and uh, we'll review Face Off. So <laughs> honestly, I'm just, I, I, I just want you guys to do that. So um, yeah. if you're, if you're listening to this episode, jump on right now and uh, give them a review. Um, yeah, please do. We'd love it. Uh, let's uh, jump in. Um, we're going to talk about, um, we have we have four films on docket. We're going to talk about 2003's Freaky Friday, The Hot Chick, um, Heart and Souls, and Your Name. Let's just um, jump into to Freaky Friday, and yeah, I, I think people are should be vaguely familiar uh, enough with the premise of the uh, of these films. This is um, the one with uh, Lindsay Lohan and Jamie Lee Curtis, yeah. and. Um, it's sort of the like it's it, it is like the ur text of what you think of when you think of this genre. But um, I remember when this came out, it did feel like I don't know. It, it was it was a Disney film, right? Yeah, it, it was a Disney film um, starring Lindsay Lohan, which was you know a star that they were pumping up at the time. She had a, a couple of Disney hits like this and um, The Parent Trap, Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen. So she was very much in that mold. Uh, of um, Disney stars at the time, like her and Hilary Duff. Um, so you see a lot, of, like uh, there's like family, like it's like the, there's a theme of family that tends to be a, like a thing that comes up in a lot of uh, swap body swap movies. Like, yeah, and and I think uh, you know this film really taps into that whole mentality of you know kids like my parents just don't understand me. They don't understand what I have to deal with in my life. Um, and I think the thing is with family movies is that they're also attended by the parents taking them along. And I think this film also has that element of, you know what, my kids don't understand what my life is like. So, um, this film really like taps into that and like really has like a, a, an important lesson about like walking a mile in someone else's shoes and seeing what they have to deal with and how your actions affect their life and vice versa. Um, I mean, Freaky Friday, it was originally a book in the, in the seventies and then um, it was made into an original Disney movie with Jodie Foster. Then they remade it as a TV movie with Shelley Long and then made it again here. And then most recently they've done it again as a musical. So Disney like, have, <laughs> and, and it was also yeah. a Broadway musical as well. Mm-hmm. So um, Disney have really mined this property yeah. <laughs> and made it their own. Uh, D- but- so, so did you, um, I, you uh, all these are, epi- all these, all these movies we're talking about, you've done episodes mm-hmm. on. So, so I'm going to try and not like, um, like rehash, like a lot of like what you, what you guys have already done. Uh, I'll say this. I, I, I watched all these movies for the first time for, for this podcast. Uh, I, my feeling on this one was, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was great in close ups 
uh, mm-hmm. doing Lindsay Lohan, and Lindsay Lohan was pretty good in like wides. Uh, yeah. Did, did, like, <laughs> does that does that make sense to you? Like, yeah, I think Jamie Lee Curtis is the star of this film. She's, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's performance is fantastic. The physicality she has in this role, she really just you believe that she is a teenage girl in that body. Yeah. Um, Lindsay Lohan, yeah, it is a bit more rough around the edges. I think Lindsay Lohan is actually a pretty talented actress. Yeah. Um, back in the day, For sure. obviously things have gone off the rails a bit, but um, yeah, it, it, this and it is funny that the film really does focus on Jamie Lee Curtis so much because you know, it's a film for kids and you're mostly looking at a middle-aged woman when you're watching this film, but she is so great in it. And I can see why her performance would be entertaining for anyone to watch. And then, and then if uh, people aren't familiar with it, in the, in the middle of it all, there's um, this love interest played by Chad Michael Murray, Mm -hmm. who, um, he does some really amazing swerves in, in uh, the, the plot here because he just like falls head over heels for Jamie Lee Curtis. And, uh, and then she starts like stalking the family. It was really funny. <laughs> yeah. I was watching this. I was thinking like, I wonder if I, I, I got the feeling that this was like um, the screenwriters trying to like be like, oh, there are some men who are just trash. And then like it gets wrapped up in a happy ending because it's like a Disney film. Uh, you know, yeah. I don't know. Would, would you... Yeah, the, the Chad Michael Murray subplot in this film is crazy. The yeah. fact that it's in a Disney movie as well. Yeah, yeah essentially yeah. This, this teenage, well, it's very unclear how old his character is. Yeah. It's like, he, is he a student or is he working at the school? I'm not sure. But then he's also like, you know, trying to get with, Lindsay Lohan as well. So what is going on? But um, the fact that it's essentially a teenage boy trying to aggressively pursue a woman in her late forties just feels very strange to have in a kid's Disney movie. Uh, but it works. It's it's funny. It's definitely funny. Um, he has the soul patch. Definitely... He has the bangs that like you're just like, oh yeah, this guy probably is a piece of shit. Like, yeah, <laughs> very pretty, but you know, like yeah. But yeah, you can understand why Jamie Lee Curtis would kind of like. You could understand why he would be attractive uh, yeah. to anyone, really. But yeah, you do get that sleaze bag kind of vibe. He drives a motorcycle and all that as well. So. This one also had um, uh, another, well, a very interesting trope that I, I think is, uh, I'm seeing pop up in a lot of these films, which is there's some, you know, pretty, pretty racist, like, caricatures and like the, 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 the magic uh, mm-hmm. of uh, this stuff, um, like, whatever, whatever's instigating this is usually some like, oh, it's some like non-white person who has, you know, something weird that we don't know about. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's, and it's funny seeing how all these films like kind of like go back into this. Well, I, is that still like something that uh, in like the more recent films that like, uh, um, is, is that um, something that's tapering off or is that like? I think so. Um I mean, we do have seen some fairly questionable stuff still being made. Like one more recent one from a couple of years back was the sex trip, which I, I mean, like 
it seems to be the lower budget straight to video stuff that's still peddling in all this gross stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I hopefully think it's going away slowly. Um, but it definitely the Freaky Friday and Hot Chick, the two examples you've chosen for this show, um, pedal in that. Yeah, well, let, let's let's jump into the Hot Chick because I mean, so the Hot Chick came out in two thousand two, the year before, and um, it's. Uh, Actually, do you want to do you want to maybe introduce the the hot chick a little bit? Yeah, so um, the hot chick is a um, Happy Madison Adam Sandler produced production starring Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider is a um, petty criminal, and uh, through a mix up with some magical um, Mayan earrings, he uh, manages to swap po- uh, bodies with the bitchy popular girl at at the local high school and then uh the film mostly centers rachel mcadams yeah we played by rachel mcadams and the movie mostly centers on rachel mcadams's character in rob schneider's body um it doesn't really spend all that much time with uh him in her body um but it's basically her um you know, pretending to be a janitor at the school, trying to um, work out how to swap back. Um, but all her friends kind of find out about it and they continue to hang around with with her in this new body. And they're fascina- fascinated by the fact that she's got a penis now and she pees standing up. And, and she's um, figuring what, it out for herself too. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, one of the great subplots of this film is uh, Anna Faris plays her best friend and she finds herself becoming attracted to her friend in this new male body and yeah. um, all the comedy that ensues. Um, one, uh, like the other subplot in this film is, so uh, Rachel McAdams has a boyfriend and then uh, she, when she's in Rob Schneider's body, she keeps trying to contact the boyfriend and he progressively gets more and more freaked out by the fact that this man is pursuing him. Um, and it's funny comparing that to uh, last year's Freaky, which is a very similar film to Hot Chick. It's basically Hot Chick with a slasher. And in that film, they have the same subplot, but the boyfriend kind of rolls it with it and, uh, you know, is okay with making out with his girlfriend in a, <laughs> in a, in Vince Vaughn's body. Um, so it, it's funny to see from 2002 to 2020, uh, how attitudes have kind of changed in that way. Yeah. I'm, I, you know, that, that freaky, uh, I was hoping to get to for this. It, it just came out. So I'm going to yeah. get to it eventually, but, um, I highly recommend. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I heard your episode. I was, I just <laughs> got my brain pinging. Um, yeah, I, I, the hot chick, um, definitely a, another film, uh, that was just not on my radar mm-hmm. before, and I I was just like uh, it brought me so much joy. Going, uh, you know, I'm so glad. <laughs> yeah. No, I really did. Like, um, yeah. uh, my and my and my expectations were very low. Uh, mm-hmm. Happy Madison films, you know, I I uh, I, I still gen- generally am not like like you did the cobbler, and I feel like a lot of what you said about that like is like. Oh yeah, that's exactly why I wouldn't watch something like this. But there's still it's a it's the hot chick is still made by like the same kind of like uh you know fairly conservative comedians, you know, that mm-hmm. that that circle. But 
there's just like radical uh, empathy that that they're going for it, and and mm-hmm. a part of it is that it, it is sort of like the story of like this woman who had this this girl who has everything, and then she kind of like gets to you know she she has to like live life through a different lens and um mm-hmm. one of the things that was uh that really grounded the film for me was was schneider's performance which is not something i've kind of expected to say but mm-hmm. i i think a lot of happy madison films turn me off because they're they're all kind of like hyper american very cartoonish characters very broad very broad uh, which i'm not against but at the center of it all is like um, some big star vehicle, so it's like Adam Sandler. Some, so like when when mm-hmm. every so it just it just feels like there's this like ego driving mm-hmm. everything, and and like there's like a lot of like contempt for like all the other like side performances. And mm-hmm. with uh, the hot chick, uh, Schneider's not doing Schneider. Schneider's really trying to do Rachel McAdams, mm-hmm. you know. So there's almost like this black hole where there's no central character, there's no shtick, you know. It really mm-hmm. is like one person trying to understand being another person uh like on on a meta level uh where it's like the actor is trying to do rachel mcadams and then uh you know vice versa in, in the text of the film and mm-hmm. um yeah it just it it, it, was, it was really funny and it really blew me away it definitely has some like stuff that's like cringy uh mm-hmm. you know like in the premise and then there's some other jokes and everything but you know also it's got tia and tamara it's got you know anna ferris it just had a killer cast you know like it was yeah. a dude yeah i mean i i am adamant that rob schneider de- deserved awards for this film i think yeah. what he's doing in here is an a genuinely fantastic performance it's funny he hits the emotional beats and he's believable in such a ridiculous premise. Um, like, I think it's often under understated, like how hard a performance like this would be and how hard it is to actually do this. Um, and he does it so well. And Anna Faris as well is pitch perfect in this film and takes a role that should really be nothing and turns it into like comedic gold. So yeah, um, in a in a better in a better world, like this film would have caught fire, like like Get Out or something like that, and like uh, yeah. you know, like Schneider, yeah, everyone in it would have been well, you know. Um, yeah. I, I'll say um, the, the 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 thing that I keep thinking about is um, just to just spoil the end of the film. Um, mm-hmm. They're trying to track down Rachel McAdams, Rachel McAdams' body in. Um, Rob Schneider's Rob mind, so, yeah. and and yeah, and he's uh, and 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 I guess they're in, um, a stripper now because you know Rob Schneider's in Rachel McAdams' body, and they and and she just does this like for us, you know, they're going to a strip club. Um, I just assumed that Rachel McAdams would play it in this really like sexy way, but mm-hmm. she like plays it in just like like pretty much probably how I would do it if i had you know, she really like takes on yeah. she like gets a second where she gets to be like rob schneider if rob schneider had to be a stripper that's probably how mm-hmm. he would do it which just yeah. like had me think all these thoughts about like you know like uh, how much work goes into like women trying to be sexy and i i, be, I became more feminist like watching it i don't yeah. know maybe. I, don't. <laughs> I think the other thing with that film is like we don't see a whole lot of what happens with rob schneider yeah. in rachel mcadam's body 
they should have just done a sequel where we see the entire film Ooh, and what happened with her. Like, because yeah. <laughs> the moments we see with her are so fun. Like her performance is so funny. It yeah. would be fantastic to have seen that for an hour and a half as well. <laughs> yeah, good call. Wow. Yeah. And she hasn't aged a day. Like we could still make this film happen. Oh, yeah. 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 Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the next one uh, is Heart and Souls, uh, which was... Um, 1993 uh, and mm-hmm. uh, killer cast. Um, it was Robert Downey Jr., uh, Alfred Woodard, Charles Grodin, um, Tom Sizemore, Kira Sedgwick, and Elizabeth Shue. Uh, mm-hmm. It's well, it's such a it's such an, a, an elaborate plot, um, mm-hmm. and it's a film that uh, you know I I was aware it was like a video store like. I, I, mm-hmm. I knew the box and I think I read the premise once or twice, but it, it was, it just felt like homework, but um, uh, let's see if we can do this concisely. Uh, so Sizemore, Grodin, Sedgwick and Woodard are um, it's like in the late fifties. They are all are strangers on a bus who die in an accident and their soul gets like um, embedded into Robert Downey Jr.'s and um, they're kind of stuck in this like limbo growing up with him they don't know uh why or how long or you know suddenly you know downey jr is like in his 30s and they find out that they need to like resolve like some you know stuff that they hadn't resolved in their lives in order to you know get into the next stage of the afterlife and um and so then robert downey jr goes through on this wacky adventure to um help these people that have been tethered to his soul since he was born is this this is a film. Yeah. This is a film that I watched a lot as a kid. It used to be on cable, like a lot. Like it used to be on every day, um, yeah. and it felt like it anyway. Uh, and it's funny. I didn't even think about doing this for the podcast. And then there was another podcast that um, review. There's a there's this podcast out there called Castology, and what they do is review other podcasts. Oh wow! And they did the re- yeah, That's what and, I do. And they, Um, when they did the review on our show they're like they have to do heart and souls i'm like oh yeah actually that worked out that works out that that is a body swap so when we did it i there's not been another film that we've covered you know the 50 plus movies we've done on the show some of the you know very high grossing popular films like Sunday 30 freaky friday there has not been another film that we've had more feedback on than heart and souls People have such a deep affection for this film. It seems to have been a film that really connected with a lot of people. When it was released, I think in a, in America, it went straight to video. Yeah, was I was like going to say, like, like um, I was aware of it, you know. Mm. It's, it's, with a cast like that, it's going to be on the radar of someone like me. But, yeah, I had never seen it. Yeah, so, like, I think internationally it got some cinema releases in some countries, but for a lot of the world, it was a straight-to-video release for whatever reason. But watching it now, it's like, what the fuck are you thinking? This film is is legit great. Like, it's such yeah. a heartwarming film, and it has that kind of, like, fuzzy 90s, like, heartwarming family vibe that is very singular to the 90s in the way it's shot and the way people are dressed and the musical score and the production values. It's just, it's just like a cozy blanket watching this film. I feel. (laughs) Yeah. Did you enjoy watching it? You know, um, it, I did. It, Mm -hmm. it, it was, um, 
it, there, there, there was something about it that didn't click for me. And, and, and I, I think if I had grown up with it, I, I would be right there with you. The, the film is a long walk to get to, and then mm-hmm. the action moves very, very quickly from there. So, you know, yeah. I, I could see, I don't know, it's like one of those bullshit things where like I could see why Hollywood would not like want to like shove this down people's throats because it doesn't mm-hmm. fit like uh, a certain like script like structure and it's uh in its stories but you know yeah there's that phrase like like people say like a movie's a vibe and um and, and i actually really love that phrase because this, <laughs> yeah. this movie's definitely like it's a vibe it's just like um everyone's so just so pleasant to like spend time with um, yeah i like I all the characters that, are just so lovable i wish that i wish that we got a little bit more robert johnny jr just because he's so pivotal to the plot and um mm-hmm. And it does feel like he he comes in a little later in the film and and like uh, mm-hmm. uh, he he's sort of the center of everything. But like I as I get older, I appreciate Charles Grodin more and more, and mm-hmm. um, I especially like um, Charles Grodin when he uh, needs when he's being pressured to do something he really doesn't want to do. Um, which which I think sounds like that's kind of like every like that's just drama, but like he has a very yeah. like it's so his, his his thing in this is that he's supposed to like he's opera singer uh, yeah aspiring to be an opera singer, but he's just always so nervous and uh, yeah so it's just like red meat for him and his you know mm-hmm. the, the whole film do you, do you know the the history of the this this production much because it just seems like they got these great actors. Um, and they just wrote like like a dream like uh, character for all of them. Was that how it? How yeah, it was? I'm not particularly sure of like what came first, chicken or the egg scenario in terms mm. of the actors and the characters. Um, I do know that that Robert Downey Jr. like personally counts this as like his favorite performance. Um, oh, that's cool. He just yeah, he he loved but the fact that he could play all these other characters when they're possessing their bodies. And what he really appreciated about it was that, you know, there was for him, there was very little special effects work or anything like that. So he had pretty much (laughs) one, one costume for the entire film Mm -hmm. and he just got to act, act every, he just got to go there and do a character and act. And that was it. There was no prosthetics. There was no CGI Iron Man suits. You know? Yeah. Why, like... why would why would RDJ be? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, I it, I what was, the other thing that was interesting was like um, getting to know uh, the director Ron Underwood. Uh, did, did, I don't know if you looked into that at all. I know he he had just done television for a little while, and then he had a big hit with City Slickers, mm-hmm. and then he had like a, a very interesting like you know decade or so. Uh, and then he and then he directed Pluto Nash, the Eddie Murphy film, which just uh, yeah yeah. That, have you seen it? Is it is it garbage? Or? I feel like I tried to watch it <laughs> when it came out. <laughs> sure, sure. I re- that was still in my video store days, and I remember it coming out. And I f- I reckon I tried it for like ten minutes and turned it off. Yeah. Well, look, like I said, uh, you know, I know for you know, I, I watched it with you know my wife, and she hadn't heard of it. I, I've asked a few people about it. They, um, mm-hmm. It's uh, it's a, it's a film worth trying to to find. There, like, BB King shows up uh, out of nowhere. Like, mm-hmm. it's just a swing for the fences, and yeah, it's just it, it's 
that song, um, we were, we were kind of like coming it along the next day, like all weekend after we saw it. So, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so your wife enjoyed it as well? Yeah. 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 We had a great time with it, you know. Uh, uh, good. Uh, you want to jump into your name? Yeah, sure. Um, so the final film we're going to cover today is Your Name, which is a 2016 um, anime film. Um, and it centers around a teenage boy and a teenage girl. The teenage boy lives in the city of Tokyo. The teenage girl lives in this small town in, in Japan. And they start having uh, these episodes where randomly they'll wake up and they're in each other's bodies. So they've never met before. They don't know who each other are, but all of a sudden um, they'll wake up and she's in Tokyo in his body. He's in the small town in her body. And, and um, I, you they, know, I, I just want to jump in and say, you know, um, th- this is like a, a spoiler free uh uh, show mm-hmm. um this movie is great and and I'll, I'll echo what you said when you guys talked about this you should just fucking watch this film because uh, yeah <laughs> uh yeah like, because we're we're gonna get into it but yeah sorry go ahead yeah yeah well i was gonna but, say yeah. I, I won't go into why now that you've that seen swapping. This. yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah um uh yeah i i don't even want to ex- spoil why they were swapping but uh, it, it is a sort of a mystery in that way, but it's also like a beautiful romance and like the film is just like gorgeous to look at. Um, this director, you know, he did um, The Garden of Words and uh, Weathering With You from last year. All these films are just stunning to look at. Yeah, um, I, I, you know, um, I when I was kind of like looking at the films that we were going to talk about, I was going off of... Um, the top films on your list mm-hmm. and I, I i was curious about doing uh, an animated film because again like mm-hmm. performance seems to be such a like big part of uh the the subgenre uh but um i watched this and i realized this is the perfect film to talk to a complete stranger about on the <laughs> other side of the world uh, <laughs> you're 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 literally in a different day than i am right now um yeah. Uh, it broke down so, so many. I'm sorry. I, I I feel like I interrupted. Do you have no, no, no. Yeah. Um, one of the things that uh, it, it broke so many like tropes, uh, and and like just cracked body swapping wide open. The thing that uh, was right off the bat I was most moved by was um, moving between was having a story about teenagers that was about going between suburban or rural living and like uh and like living in a big city which mm-hmm. yeah when you're when you're like uh that age that that really is like the stuff that like um that that resonates i know that 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 really like spoke to a feeling i had um you know at that time it, it's a film that really makes me feel like a teenager um it, it reminds me of being a teenager and part of it is like you were saying with the animation it it, it like richly shows these textures of just like, you know, just like all the like detritus in your like apartment or, you know, um, you know, just like lovingly, like all the like, like leaves when you're uh, on a hike with your family. Um, and then um, the music is, uh, uh, they're called Rad Wimp. Yeah. Is that? Yeah. And um it felt very emo to me. Does that, does, uh, does that, uh, 
yeah, speak to you at all? I can see that. Definitely. Um, and definitely like the haircut of the main character would probably suggest <laughs> that as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I, I don't know. It's, it's a very hopeful and, you know, lovely movie. So I, I wouldn't want to think, like, I wouldn't want to make people think, you know, this is a gloomy Oh yeah, no. Um, you know, film. Uh, it's a very hopeful and romantic film, at its heart. Um, yeah, but it, it's a film that you know, I would have no hesitation introducing to someone that doesn't watch anime usually or doesn't watch animation usually. I think it transcends the medium. Like I, I, I'm, I'm a big believer that animation, you know, is appropriate for every genre and can be turned into everything. It's a medium, not a genre. Um, but, and this is a prime example of that. It it was, it slowly revealed itself to be a disaster film. And, uh, that sort of like, um, yeah, it's, it's like a hangout film for so long where you're just getting to know characters, you're just getting to know the, the world, but then, uh, that the, the people and there's just like distinct characters. And then like at the end, yeah, it just like, um, when a disaster hits, it's like one of the best kind of disaster films because you don't see it coming and the stakes just feel so, uh, so big. Yeah. It, it was great. Yeah. Honestly, I, um, I, I remember hearing about it in 2016, but I kept getting that confused with call me by your name. Like, yeah. I think they were just like the same time. And I, I, yeah. I'm only now like, like, like untethering, <laughs> which one is which? So yeah, um, they're quite different from each other. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say, out of all the movies that we're covering, this mm-hmm. would probably be the one that has the most in common with T two. Yeah, um, yeah. Actually, I, I was thinking that as well. Well, yeah. Let's <laughs> let's, uh, let's jump into that. So so uh, yeah. Have you you grew up watching T two? Was that something that was around for you? Yeah. So. Um, Definitely watched T2 a few times as a teenager. Um, I grew up in a very conservative household, so we weren't allowed to watch films with like swearing and sex and violence. Um, so I had to wait until I was literally a teenager to start watching these kind of films. Um, but I loved it at the time. But I had never really watched Terminator 1. Uh, and I remedied that this week, actually, um, on, in preparation for this. So I watched Terminator 1 for the first time. I don't know why it took me this long to get around to it. Did, um, did, think, it, add, did it add anything for you, to you, watching the first one? Um, yeah, like, it, you definitely appreciate the few little callbacks to the original that are in uh, number two. Um, like, I think it's a, a testament to the strength of T2 that you don't need that context like it works just as well by itself but it's definitely nice um to know you know why uh, uh arnie says come with me if you want to live and yeah, yeah. you know she, he's got the same picture and it's the same um doctor in the mental hospital that's like calling her crazy in the first movie and all those kind of things so um but uh i think once back when I was in the video store in the VHS days, I hired T1 and started watching it. And it was like a really bad transfer on that VHS. And it just felt like an old kind of crusty movie. And for whatever reason, I didn't stick with it. 
Uh, but obviously, like, the version that's on streaming at the moment is, like, beautifully remastered and it looks like a film that was shot last year, um, which kind of makes it a, a little bit more palatable, I guess. But um, it is... Yeah, I feel like they, really, like, they, like, they've, like, lovingly started, like, scrubbing some of these things. Uh, yeah, because I think I yeah. have a similar thing. Anyway, sorry. Um, but, yeah, like... You can obviously tell it's um, on a like, much lower budget than its sequel, but yeah. it's still like a, a pretty effectively made movie. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Arnie was fantastic in it, um, as was Linda Hamilton. And um, oh yeah, yeah. you 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 how how was uh, uh, you you talk about child actors uh, on your show? How, how did you <laughs> where, where how did you feel about Furlong? Furlong in number two. Um, yeah. yeah. I oh sorry you're I, talking about Terminator one I was talking about one but yeah sorry, in I'm in sorry. number two uh, no all good uh, yeah I thought he was actually pretty good like uh, he was believable as as a kid in that situation he wasn't irritating um, I believed his connection uh, with with the you know T one hundred and uh, as it progressed through the film so um, yeah no I, I thought he was pretty solid I'm sorry sorry yeah so I'm sorry you're talking about one there. Mm-hmm. I, did you have a do you have a, a thread i'm sorry i feel like i switched gears no no it's all good um so yeah i i i definitely uh enjoyed number one a lot um but t2 is definitely it just ramps everything up yeah it makes everything you know yeah from the from the opening second you know it's it's shot in you know, like beautiful cinemascope and you're seeing very similar scenes from the original, the opening of the original film, almost like exactly the same scene, but everything just looks grander and, you know, everything just looks more epic. Um, and it is a film that uh, T2, it has not aged really all that badly. Like there are a couple of, uh, you know, the liquid metal stuff doesn't look amazing now, um, but it's still... Like, you know, when you can tell it was good for the time, you look at oh, some yeah. other movies and you're like, even for 1992, this would have looked like trash. Mm-hmm. It was the best that it could have possibly yeah. been at that time time period. So, you know, actually, can, 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 I, can I share with you? I, uh, mm-hmm. The last time I watched it, I, I had this sudden realization, like, I think one of the most, like, uh, amazing visuals, uh, and th- this, is, this will be on theme here, is uh, when the... T-1000 uh, gets stepped on by the security guard at the mental institution. And then he, um, you know, he, he's, uh, um, he takes Shapes on his form. Him, yeah, yeah. And he, yeah, he gets the, like, uh, uh, the, the twins that are, by the way, in Gremlins too. I was, I was delighted to discover mm-hmm. that those twins were in both films. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's one of the most like iconic images in the movie for me. And I, I don't think it does anything for the plot. I was just like, <laughs> it, it really is great. But I was just like trying to think the next morning. I, I was just like, so he took on that security guard's form and then he got into the building and then just went back to looking like uh, Jason Patrick. Uh, like, yeah. so why, why did he uh, like, but um, that, yeah, I, I, there. yeah. I, I think that's the thing. It's like, you know, that character, he is, a horror villain really mm-hmm. and you i think one thing i always kind of forget about the film until i rewatch it is how brutal it was uh, how brutal it is sorry uh it's quite violent and that that kind of relentless killer and you know in in all those kind of slasher movies a horror villain does you know creepy 
shit like that just to creep you out essentially. And I think that very much follows that mold. You know, he's just doing it to be a creepy, scary villain. Yeah. Yeah. So did you have any other thoughts on Terminator 2? I know um, you were kind of suggested in your notes that T2 might be a body swap movie. Yeah. And I guess uh, in terms of uh, the T-1000 as a villain, um, I guess that's kind of true. He, he is able to transform his body into any character he wants, and he does for a, a few of them. Um, I think one thing that, that really defines a body swap film, though, is it's from the perspective of the person swapping and it kind of give context of how they're feeling about being in a new body. Whereas I don't feel like that's any concern of that character or of this film. Like he's, it's just a means to an end. He doesn't actually experience. Yeah. He doesn't experience life in that body. I mean, uh, I'd say, you know, Arnie's character has more of a transformation than you know anyone yeah. in this film like he's the one that's learning and changing even though his physical form isn't yeah um so yeah but uh, it, but it definitely is like a, a cool idea that they brought into this film that he's able to shape shift into other characters and you can never trust who you're speaking to um who to trust um yeah uh, it, it is a it's a cool idea idea to explore are there other are there other um are there any like really good uh body swap scary movies besides we talked about freaky we've talked about a couple of other ones but are, are any other ones that you want to shout out while we're while we're on the subject um i mean we've covered child's play on the mm-hmm. on the podcast which is about sierra killer that um he's yeah, soul Chucky. goes into the into chucky the doll um one we'll probably do i've got on my list to do another time is the denzel washington movie fallen oh, about a, de- yeah. a demon that passes from body to body using touch mm-hmm. uh, i i guess like if you want to broaden it to possession there are so many yeah i've actually I <laughs> movies think my, about being possessed possessed my, my original review for you guys and i think i changed it but my original uh, review was like uh please do her uh hereditary um yeah but uh you know at your leisure uh yeah um we'll definitely also, every, everyone talked about hereditary like when it came out so so yeah you know, it feels <laughs> yeah kind of and that's kind of the thing like we want to do get out but i feel like we want to wait enough time before like yeah you know, because there's been so many think pieces and yeah. like discussions on Get Out, and like, what are three white people really going to have to say about this film? <laughs> That's yeah, that no yeah, one yeah, else exactly. Has. <laughs> well, three, three like, Australian people go, you know, I, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like we really have to like dive into it as a body swap and in relation to its place in body swapping culture for us to be able to like add something to that conversation. Cause that's literally it, the only thing we're experts in. So that, that would actually be really funny. Uh, let me see if I can do this sounding respectful here. It would be really interesting to have a conversation about get out. That's just about the mechanics of the body swap. Uh, <laughs> yeah, without any of the other context. <laughs> yeah, without talking about any of that other stuff. <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, that probably would be insensitive. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, unless it was like a five-minute podcast. <laughs> <laughs> 
you so so now let's talk about where you would uh, put these films as better or worse than Terminator Two. Do you have any like right this off? This is the like bat? I haven't thought about it this much actually. I didn't this part of this episode I didn't prepare yeah. for. I didn't think about it. Yeah, I mean. I've, I have been thinking about, I'm like, how the hell are you supposed to compare these films together? Sorry, like, sorry. <laughs> which I know is the whole premise of your show, <laughs> but um, it's so hard because they're so like, like I don't oranges. think you can't really think of two more different films than Freaky Friday and T2. Like <laughs> they don't really have much DNA shared apart from, you know, I guess, Jamie Lee Curtis is, you know, in the James Cameron family of, of actors. So um, uh, I guess we could compare this to True Lies. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. There we go. Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, Terminator 2 is way better than True Lies. Uh, I'm just going to throw that up there. Yeah. Well, so is Terminator 2 your all-time favorite no. movie? No, no. Stop? So, so, so right off the bat, like I have, I have, no, it's, it's just a film that, for me, it's a baseline of mm-hmm. a movie that I think most people who understand movies as I understand them would watch and say, hey, that's pretty good. So, yeah. you know, is it better than, hey, that's pretty good? Or, you know, so it's, yes. it's I'm not, you're not going to break my heart or anything. <laughs> and uh, is it your favorite James Cameron? Yeah, easily. Okay. See, I would... I would probably still put Titanic as my favorite James okay. Cameron. So I don't know if that says more to me as a person. But, yeah. Um... I, I've, I've been thinking about, you know, I haven't been, uh, it's, it's, it's probably been uh, at least 15 years. And, you know, my relationship to my younger sister is like mature enough now that I can like, I think watch Titanic without thinking about her. Yeah. Like <laughs> shoving it down everyone's throat for like a few years. Yeah. So. You know, I'm I'm kind of interested in going back to Titanic. Anyway, sorry. And and on another side note, Avatar yeah. is a movie we'll definitely be doing on the show in the future oh, as well. That's right. Yeah, I I I just thought about that. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, so I mean, out of the films that you've listed, mm-hmm. I would probably say, in terms of like on a filmmaking level, your name would definitely be on the top, and mm-hmm. I think I would definitely put that one above t2 hmm. um i would say in terms of like pure joy levels watching it hot chick would probably be on the top and like i would personally if someone gave me t2 or hot chick on like a sunday afternoon yeah which one would you put on i would put on the hot chick um now obviously on a filmmaking level, there's a lot more going on in T2. Than yeah, 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 yeah. But, that, but that, that's fine. That doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's like, you know, what, um, you know, viscerally, like, you know, you think, you know, is hitting you. I mean, performance-wise, you know, I'd put uh, Rob Schneider on um, uh, above Arnie, you know. Uh, maybe yeah. that's controversial. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, Sorry. Yeah, it, you should put the like caveat in this in the hot in, chick. In the hot chick. Yeah. In this in the hot chick and uh 1995's Judge Red. That's it. That's it. <laughs> um yeah, I don't know if I can agree with that. But... No, no, no. That was that was my bad joke. Um but you know what? I'll put T2 above Freaky Friday and Heart and Souls. Yeah. As much yeah. as I enjoy both those films thoroughly. 
It's so funny because, you know, um, I've lived with uh, T2 for so long, um, but, and, and I just watched uh, all these films recently. Um, mm-hmm. for, I'll, t- I'll tell you this, I'm, I'm 100% on board with you. I think, uh, I'd, I'd think right now I'd be more interested in watching The Hot Chick than uh, T2. And uh, yeah, and your name, your name, I watched, um, you know, uh, your name I watched, I, I, I had to rent it and I ended up watching it twice because I was just like so enamored with it, so. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that our podcast has like encouraged you to watch some films that might have not been on your radar. Mm-hmm. Um, that's always been my hope. I, I, I kind of half hope people do that and half hope people don't watch all the awful films that we've been forced to watch because I kind of feel sorry for them if they have been. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I almost watched Possession because like the way you like the way you guys talked about Possession, it, it, uh, it sounded fascinating uh but um but also you kind of jumped over like about an hour of that movie you kind of like set it up and then talked about how it ended and i uh, just like okay so so like nothing the, happens right like, the middle is very boring <laughs> <laughs> um unless yeah. like uh, are you like were you a buffy person back in the day i i wasn't i i've subsequently uh uh it's so funny. Like I was around so many people who were Buffy at the, who were like into Buffy at the time. And, and, um, and my wife's a bu- you know, Buffy person. I, I've mm-hmm. since become one. So I, I feel like with possession, like if anyone that grew up with Buffy, you do get like a warm feeling watching anything with Sarah Michelle Gellar. Like just the fact that yeah. she's there on your screen gives you somewhat amount of pleasure. So if you don't have that, I don't know if there'd be any worth in, in watching Possession. Really. Yeah, but I think that's, a, that's, a, that's what happened to me because I had a friend who uh, took me to see Simply Irresistible. And, and oh, no. Like, yeah, yeah. I, we're, we're just like two guys. And he was just like, yeah. oh, yeah, come on. It's got Sarah Michelle Gellar. I don't know. She's like a witch or something. And uh, <laughs> whenever, That film like, went straight to video in Australia. It didn't even make it to the cinemas. <laughs> yeah, well, it's so weird. Um, yeah. Uh, well, like I said, it's the Swapcast, the Swapcast podcast. Uh, yeah. It's great. You guys are great. Um, Thank uh, you. Uh, Paul, thanks for being on. Um, hasta la vista. <laughs> My pleasure. Thanks for having me.